Welcome and good morning to today's session of our encouragement from Cosmos City Church. We are grateful that you have joined us this morning and that you deemed it necessary to hear what the Word of God has to say to us during this time. It is overall a, a testing time, but also a wonderful time. Because there's opportunities, I mean, to learn new things, to become a better people. Whatever we have to face does not always have to end in destruction. We don't always have to go what we go through with the view that eventually we are going to be destroyed by our circumstances. Paul attests to this fact, he says, although we are hard-pressed, it does not necessarily mean we will be crushed. So welcome as we encourage you to be aware that you won't necessarily be crushed by the situation that you face. Today I want us to look at the, the aspect of our, of our sustaining faith, the manner in which faith sustains us. Oftentimes it's easy when we talk about saving faith. People understand that when I believe I will be saved. When I, I put my faith in Christ, I will be saved. And that is essentially the starting point of our faith. However, there is a reality in the fact that when you now go through situations and stuff becomes hard, many people have questioned Christ. Many people have even asked God, where are you when I'm going through what I'm going through? Other people have even deserted the faith other people have said i mean what's the point of this whole thing i have believed god i have prayed and so on and so forth but i mean i'm still in this situation and some have asked how long a lot of people over this lockdown over whatever the lockdown has exacerbated in their situation people have questions but as a matter of fact the questions that we have are actually answered in the faith that we believe, or rather the faith that we have in God. So there is saving faith in that I come to believe, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there is faith that takes you through the fires of life. There is a faith that takes you the through the impossibilities. There is a faith that says, even though there's no food on my table. God is still my God. There is a faith that even though I'm wasting away, my, 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 my spouse says to me, Job, why don't you curse your God and die? I mean, children, your children have died. There is a faith that says, even though he slays me, yet I will surely believe in him. There is a faith that says, my Redeemer, Lives. And, and that's the kind of faith I want us to, to look at today. The faith of Abraham as it were. So today we're talking about the faith of Abraham. And what we want to do is to learn and glean some, some things that we can use as anchors for our souls. As as can hold on to even as we walk through our different situations. So I'm going to read 
for us from the book of Romans. If you have your Bible, wherever you are, want to just turn with us to the book of Romans chapter 4. That's where we're reading. From verse 1, we'll continue up to 18. It says, I'm reading in the NIV in this case. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, yet not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, I want you to be aware, even as we... We, we, we're reading about Abraham. Abraham didn't have a point of reference. He did not have the New Testament, the Old Testament. He did not have a, 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 a revelation of God. He did not have a revelation of Jesus. But in this case, he had to hold on to what God says. So if it, the Bible says, Abraham believed God, he had to believe what God told him. I imagine Abraham may have not seen God before. He may have not been praying to God before. He was living in uh, uh, the, the city of Ur of the Chaldeans. He, he probably was an idolater of some kind. He, he, he worshipped other things. But the Bible says there was a time when God spoke a word to him. And Abraham believed God. It's like it was a first-hand experience. God speaks, you don't question, you don't wonder, you don't, you believe God. Obviously, that's not how it happens. We'll get into the details of it. Abraham struggled with things even as God spoke to him, but eventually he believed. And so we continue, verse 4 says, Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they those trans whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man who seen the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under which circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith whilst he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. Here we come across a very important aspect of this sustaining faith. When we think of Abraham as the father of faith, we are inclined to automatically think of him as a Jew. But Abraham wasn't a Jew. You know, he's the father of the Jews. 
he's he's he, he's not a descendant of Judah. Judah is a descendant from Abraham. And so Abraham was just a man. He was a Gentile. The Bible says when he believed God, he was still a Gentile. He was not circumcised. He was not under the law. Abraham did not even encounter the law of Moses. Moses came many years, about what, 430 years after Abraham. So Abraham, when he believed God, he was just a man like you and me. Like God would come to you in the midst of your own situation when you don't have a religious reference point that leads to this supreme God. That was his condition when he believed. And so he's also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham of would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes through faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value, and then the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Here's another reality of our religious inclinations. Many people have, have, have taken to this thinking that, to go to church i need to do this and I, 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 our church has these laws and bylaws that i need to abide by i need to have some religious background but the bible says there were no laws for him to abide by so religion in itself therefore does not bring us to a place of a sustaining faith. Many people who go to church will die of depression and despondency. They will encounter situations where the laws of the church, the, the, the rituals, the religious the rituals, the liturgies, the things that we do to show that, oh, I believe, oh, I attend church, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm from this sect and I'm from that sect of, of religion. Those things will not sustain us during the hardest time of our lives. And so Abraham didn't have those things. Those things, as a matter of fact, sometimes... They are a hindrance to believing. They are a hindrance to actually finding God because they cloak us in false righteousness. I want to jump to verse 16. It says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and many may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Now here's the crux of Abraham's faith. It says, against all hope, Abraham 
in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it has been said to him so shall your offspring be without weakening in his face in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And then it says, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham, when we consider his encounter with God, God comes to Abraham, he says to him, look, Abraham, I want you to look at the stars, count them, you know. Obviously, this is an impossible task. God says to him, so shall your descendants be. Be like the grains of sand on the seashore, in, which means they will be innumerable. They would not, no one would be able to count them. So Abraham had two things in his mind. God is giving him a promise. But the Bible says Abraham made a consideration. What was his consideration? He faced the fact of what is naturally possible or impossible. Firstly, he said, the Bible says he was about 100 years old, past the, 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 the age of uh, fertility. And so, looking from his sight then, it is not possible for Abraham to actually have a seed that is fertile enough to create conception. On the side of Sarah, the Bible says her womb was dead. He was double, possibly triple past menopause. So on both sides, if for instance, Abraham had fertile seed, Sarah's womb was dead. If Sarah's womb could still conceive, Abraham's uh, uh, he had fertility seed point. So in the natural, therefore, there was hopelessness. So Abraham figures these things and he says, the Bible says he kind of thinks and he laughs at the idea and he wants to coax God about it. He says, look, um, the reality, my reality is, just in case you are not aware of the fact, I'm beyond that stage. As a matter of fact, now as I process things, I'm thinking of my servant is going to be my heir. And God says, no, 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 no. He's not going to be your heir. I'm going to give you a son. And... God then explains to him, he, he takes him through the process. He, he says, look, I'm making a covenant with you. You'll be a father of many nations and so on. Now, two situations are created now. 
these situations, both of them warrant consideration. God gives Abraham a promise of a future that is naturally impossible. So now, Abraham has to consider two things. He has to consider the natural and the supernatural that will be created by God's word. Let me start off by saying, there's nothing wrong looking into the natural. There's nothing wrong considering what you're going through. There's nothing wrong actually sitting there and thinking, oh man, I don't know how to get through this. There's nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong looking at the fact that beyond um, lockdown, there'll be loss of jobs. Maybe your job was already uh, at risk. There's, there's nothing wrong looking at the fact that you are facing an incurable disease. You are going through what you're going through. You feel like you, stuff is being shipwrecked in your life. There really is nothing wrong in that because the Bible says Abraham considered those things. But what would be said is if that's where you end up, that your consideration of the natural leaves you hopeless because that's what it actually eventually does you look at the fact that you are at a crossroads but you don't know where to go so you become despondent so abraham considered the hopelessness of what lied ahead of him but he also considered Amidst hopelessness, the word of God came. What does Romans tell us about the word of God? It says, faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. So Abraham had a promise of God of a future beyond the impossibilities of the natural and the now. And then the Bible says, he believed God. And that was credited unto him as righteousness. So the righteous, people that have become righteous. Now remember, our righteousness as believers is an imputed, is an endowed righteousness on the basis of what Christ did for us on the cross. We are clothed in his righteousness. Yet in the same token, we need... To, to attain to a righteousness of faith, not only faith in Christ, but faith in what God has promised to sustain us through whatever we we, we, we going through. So Abraham, I love these words. This is how the, 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 the writer puts it. Paul says, against all hope. So it, it, there's, there's a counter-traffic of hope. There's hopelessness going that way. But then the word of God stares faith. That hopelessness. And what does Abraham choose to do? He takes the hope that is found into the word of God and he goes with it into a hopeless situation. And then he holds on to that promise was the of the promise so shall you as innumerable as the 
the, the, the stars. So for you and me, we can learn something about being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded means having looked around, having seen what surrounds me. I am convinced and convicted that God will come through for me, that God will work everything together for my good, that everything that seems bad, even if it was from the enemy, God will turn it for my good. God will not abandon me. He will pursue me, even my hopelessness. He, he, the Bible says he will rent the heavens. He will come like an eagle and, and, and he will snatch me from the fowler's snare. So we need to be convinced and convicted, fully persuaded that God is able, is willing to redeem us out of what wants to, to bind us. Abraham was fully persuaded that he who promised is faithful. There we challenge the faithfulness of God. There we doubt his, his, his faithfulness. Solomon attested, when they were opening the, the temple, he attested to the faithfulness of God. He says, God has fulfilled with his hand what he promised with his mouth. The journey of faith is the journey that started with Abraham. But it's a journey that many other people exemplified for us in the midst of trials and tribulations. And it's a journey that, think of it as a, as a chain. It's, 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 there's a linkage from generations to generations. We are a generation that is, has faced HIV AIDS, we have faced civil wars, we are fa we're facing COVID-19 now, we face, we, face, we face so many things. But in the, in the kernels of time, in the epochs of time, in generations to come, we are also a generation that needs to give, to pass on faith to the next generation. And some of these people, I want to pick on Abraham again and just look at some of those people who by faith were sustained and never allowed their situation to question the, 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 the faithfulness of God. I'm now reading in Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to just stand there with me. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith, Abraham, reading from verse 11, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. And because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendant as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So the Bible speaks of a number of people. And then here's a commentary about them. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them 
and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their, of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were, looking, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's jump to verse 32 of the same book, Hebrews chapter 11. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed for foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Now, there seems to be a paradox of experiences right here. It says, these people, some died having not received what was promised. And yet, the other paradox, it says, on the other hand, others gained the promises. And then it, it enumerates the things they did. They conquered kingdoms. They re women received their dead, you know, back to life. But then it still lists others. It says, some faced years and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sold into two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in desert and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. So someone may be sitting and thinking, yeah, well, that was them. The faith that we believe now is the faith that receives the promise. Yes and no. Yes, because the, the faith that Abraham had means he received by faith that which he, in other words, he allowed himself to conceive the promises of God in his heart. And so he attained to the promises. Yet faith in the same manner is not necessarily proved by the result. It doesn't mean I prayed for something, therefore I will have it. There is a sovereignty of God at hand. Therefore, true faith allows us to conceive the promise, but still give room to the sovereignty of God. In other words, we are able to say, God says this, I believe it. If God, in my case, deems to do things differently, 
I believe in his faithfulness to bring out the good for me out of this situation. The same things that Shadrach, Meshach said. They said, our God whom we serve is able and he will do it. On the other hand, if he doesn't, our faith is not destroyed. So when we have prayed and asked things, we stand in faith. Faith is proved by its unwavering, steadfast belief in God, regardless of the outcome. So it says some died. They died. What? How? Where? The Bible says they died in faith. So whilst you are in faith, you can be stoned to death as Stephen was. Whilst you are in the will of God, you have heard the Macedonian call. You have seen the vision of the Macedonian men calling you to come to Macedonia. You can still end up beaten in the Macedonian prison. It doesn't mean you are not in God's will. It does not mean you are not in faith. It is a test, actually. So we, we are admonished that count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face all kinds of trials and tribulations. And it says these things are for the testing of our faith. So I want to conclude this matter by saying, honestly, we cannot afford to just be religious. We cannot afford to just sit on our laurels and say, well, yeah, case sera, sera, whatever would be, would be. It doesn't matter, God has forsaken me. We cannot sit, sit and say, oh, I'm saved. We'll see. We need to see God. We need to confront the natural impossibilities with the possibilities of God's word. And we need to accept the sovereignty of God. We don't accept defeat. We believe God leads us triumphantly. We believe we have victory. Therefore, we walk in anticipation of victory. And so when the contrary happens, we don't say, oh, I'm defeated. We actually realize that I was in faith when you pray for your loved one and they die, they don't die because you didn't have faith. At least I hope you had faith. But you have to get a consolation that they died, yet I believed. And now that they died, that does not destroy my faith. If it in believe in God. So I want to encourage you and me. Let's trust God. Let's not look at the outcome. Let's not look at the circumstances to determine God's character. Let's allow God in his word to vindicate his character, to speak for himself. Won't you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the faith that sustains, for the faith that saves, for the faith that see us through the faith that is in your word, 
in your promises, Lord. I pray that, Lord, as Jesus prayed for Peter, that amidst the situations that we face, maybe we all feel like the devil has asked for us to sift us like flour. But may it be said of us, our faith shall not fail. We are not of those who shrink back unto perdition, but we are those who despite the pain, the sufferings, we expect victory. And yet we still say whatever the outcome, from the rising of the sun to the setting down of the same, Jesus is Lord. And in my faith, I shall not be shaken. All shall heave and collapse around me, but my faith in Jesus shall remain unshaken. We thank you for sustaining us through this faith that is a gift. We cannot generate it of, our, of ourselves. It is a gift from you. Therefore, thank you that in the midst of trials and tribulation, you gift us with the ability to believe for breakthroughs to believe that everything will work together for our good, that whatever we face will be perfected, that we will see your goodness. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you.